It's happy hour again from Central City, New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. We're at Casa Borrega. Or strictly speaking, Casa Borrega. Everyone like to have a crack yes, at that? Thank you. Borrega. Borrega. Thank you. We're on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. I can say that, no problem. Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard <laughs> in Central City, New Orleans, just up from Cafe Reconcile. Casa Borrega is not even open yet. It's a bar, it's a restaurant, and it's a live music venue. Go like them on Facebook. And you can follow them on Twitter as well. In the next 60 minutes, you're going to meet just four of the many thousands of fascinating people who live here in New Orleans. And you'll get to hear some live music as well. At the end of the show, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably know that already, so let's get right on with doing nothing. But enjoying the next 60 minutes of Happy Hour together, my special guest sitting around the table here at Casa Borrega are none other than Pauline Patterson, who is, hello Pauline. Hello, how are you? The co-owner of Finn McCool's Irish Pub. Finn McCool's holds the current title, I believe, voted by the readers of Gambit, of Best Neighborhood Bar in New Orleans. Yes. Can you believe that? Now that's unbelievable to be voted the best bar in New Orleans. It's my neighborhood bar. (laughs) Is it really? I got drunk there last night, yeah. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Well, pity it wasn't tonight, because you could get on the tab, I'm sure, after. Well, okay, we're back on the tab tonight. I got drunk there this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sober yet? Just sobered up. Oh, and I'm okay. going there after this to get drunk. <laughs> Alex? I've, I've never been. You've never been? Okay, no. wait till you hear all about it. After being knocked about by Hurricane Katrina, Finn McCool's was restored by a devoted collection of Guinness swiggers. And in the New Orleans rebuilding era, the bar became the de facto community center of badly battered mid-city. Originally from Belfast Island, Pauline has turned Finn McCool's into the soccer, rugby, and cricket TV headquarters of the South. That's your husband's yeah, doing? Yeah. You're not a sports person at all? I love the Saints. I love the... God, try that accent. I love the Saints. That's amazing. Wow. The, well, your new place, I believe, is probably has more of your half fingerprints yeah, on it. Trio, spelled T-R-E-O on Tulane Avenue, is a no-smoking, no-TV cocktail lounge with movies and monthly art exhibitions. Cool. Yeah. That sounds way too sophisticated. Yeah, that's my end. That's right. <laughs> so you're the, you're the Irish, <laughs> the Irish sophisticate whenever you're right. sober. Charles Chamberlain sitting across the table as well. Charles is the president of Historia, a New Orleans-based business which provides professional history consulting and museum services. If that doesn't sound too exciting, he's also a tour guide. With falling his, asleep. With, <laughs> his, <laughs> with his own tour company called Rock and Nola. Which is a brilliant title. I can't believe no one's ever thought of that before. Who knew, right? Rockinola. Mm-hmm. How drunk were you when you came up with that? Very sober, unfortunately. <laughs> Very sober. Yes. Well, we can change that in a minute. Rockinola <laughs> offers New Orleans music heritage tours. Extremely overqualified for a tour guide and a guest on this show. Charles received his PhD in U.S. history from Tulane University. Holy crap. You're a doctor. Yes, sir. Dr. Chamberlain. Yes. All Don't right. call me doctor. That changes, that changes everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Charles was the museum historian at the Louisiana State Museum for 10 years. My goodness. He's also the author of the critically acclaimed and popular book, Victory at Home, Race and Manpower in the American South During World War II. And he's written numerous articles on the history of jazz and Gulf Coast culture. It's a sort of oxymoron, right? (laughs) I guess there's culture here somewhere. (laughs) You found it. Maybe you can tell us what that is as we go on. Charles is also a guitar player in the new Leviathan Oriental Foxtrot Orchestra. Nice. Come you on. Yeah. Do you wear like a little sailor outfit? Yes, unfortunately we do. <laughs> <laughs> We're not wearing the tails, yeah. Do you have your little sailor outfit in the bag here? Cause we could no, I've been trying to get the uniform changed to wear something more pirate-oriented. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Pirates are very current. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, somebody said to something, they sent me a message on Facebook or somebody to mention something about pirates to you, Alex. Uh, I, about I'd lead a sea shanty uh, band. Right. But something to do with pirates with a Y. P-Y-R-A-T-E-S. I wish yeah, I, I, know, I, wish I had there's there's any there's memory pe- at there's all. There's these pirate people out there. 
then uh, they're like this strange subculture you know? of pirate people. Pirate people. Yeah. People dress up as pirates. They like have birds on their it's shoulders. And, and, stuff. Yeah, and they have that flagons sort of and wenches. Yeah. What and kind of accent do they know. think they've got? These pirate people that walk around with that. Arr. They like. To, they, I don't know. I don't get it. It's, I don't get they that. Conventions. There's the Nationals speak like a pirate. There's, yeah, yeah, there is. Speak yeah. like a pirate. Day. <laughs> anyway, listen, the voice you're listening to is that of Alex McMurray, who's a singer, songwriter, and has been a New Orleans hipster since before being a New Orleans hipster was hip. <laughs> That's so true. In the 1990s, Alex's band Royal Fingerball was about 20 years ahead of its time. Since then, Alex has stayed ahead of the curve with bands like the Valparaiso Men's Chorus, which sings sea shanties. That's right. Try reading that sometime. It sings <laughs> sea shanties. Uh, and also, uh, is it 007 or 007? You know, either way, I think we prefer 007. 007 is a supergroup that plays Jamaican pop. Alex McMurray has a string of impressive albums to his credit, including his solo Banjaxed, and super great music for modern lovers and freaks for industry with his band Tin Men. He can be seen playing live in New Orleans and many other spots around the country and the world with Tin Men, Happy Talk Band, Debbie Davis, the Shatsy Band, Paul Sanchez's Rolling Roadshow, and the Geraniums. Did I miss anything out? Uh... I think you've left out the jackals. Uh, I did. Did you? Is the geraniums in there? Yeah, I geraniums. I said the jackals. I don't even know oh, anything even about know. them. I'm just in one band today. I think. <laughs> just <laughs> well, yeah, one, one a time. day. You're in, yeah. you, have you ever done more than one in a day? Yeah. Frequently, was it? Yeah. Yeah. That must be confusing or not. Well, you can't hit a moving target. You know, that's my <laughs> that's philosophy. True. Okay, Alex's latest albums, Avocado Woo Woo. With the Tin Man <laughs> and his new solo record, I Will Never Be Alone in This Land, are out now and available where all good downloads are sold, I assume, are they? And in record stores, if you like. Record stores? To have a record yeah, store the, uh, the, the new Tin Man record is not on the interweb yet. It's not? No, we have some cover tunes on the record, which, as Andrew uh, can probably attest, it's a very an onerous process to clear yeah. these mm. things so that you can sell them online. We're yeah. waiting for some. Administrative. Oh, that must be a pain. Now. So people can arrive. hold up your record because you got to pay them if you cover their song. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. And which you know, which is only what, right. What can you? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. But otherwise, somehow it's, it's got to be organized. It's, it's larceny. Otherwise, larceny. You know, pirates. <laughs> <laughs> the Andrew that Alex was referring to is Andrew Duhon, my co-host, is sitting over here to my right. Andrew's yeah. record, The Moorings, is out and rolling around the world along with you. Where have you been since we saw you last? Just California again. Went back to Cali. How, what happened here? Now, our producer, Graham DuPonte, sends me a photo, mm-hmm. texts me a photo of right. you and her. You and she? What is it, Charles? You're the PhD here. You and she or you and her? Him and her. Him and her. Of him and her, his and hers, <laughs> at a wedding or something? Yeah, I played that wedding and she was at it. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that funny? Yeah, that is amazing. In Newport Beach, California. That's where it was. Yeah. So you got hired from here to go out to Newport Beach and play a wedding that our producer was invited to, and you guys didn't know either of you were going. Yeah, the couple's from here, uh, okay. but the bride grew up in Newport Beach, so they did it out there, a little destination so, deal. I mean, if you, I don't know if you, Alex, you probably know Andrew's music pretty well. Would you hire him for your wedding? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange choice. Yeah, hmm. right. It, I, I totally agree, you know, and, and well, when I get, you get a wedding that says, I'm sorry, you get an email that says we want you to play a wedding, it it's, makes me cringe and think that, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to learn a lot of tunes for this. And then they said, no, we don't want you to play Brown Eyed Girl. We want you to play your stuff. And that said, sure. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, it's your stuff. Is, I mean, there are some happy songs. A couple. A couple, but in by you know, they wanted more than a five-minute set. So. so you did the whole... <laughs> <laughs> were, they dance, <laughs> were they dancing to it? 
Well, I I do have a diversified portfolio. I'm not yeah. playing the songs that you th- you're okay. You're not of. doing the folk no, stuff. I'm, I'm playing you know some cover old blues songs. Oh, and stuff, okay. You know, and just picking it up a bit. Okay, I'm thinking you're out there doing all these songs about you know lost love and right. No, so people were killing themselves. <laughs> no, <laughs> wedding. Yeah, yeah. People wedding. were killing themselves in the songs, but if you keep, if you keep that up tempo, it's still cool. Yeah. You know? Now, Pauline, you've stayed married a long time, yeah. and you work with your husband every day. Yeah, we've well, been together since we were 17. And we got so it's three years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we met when we were ni- uh, we met in 1984, and we got married in 1991. I need a calculator to work. I, I can't. I, can't <laughs> I think it's 29. Years. I can't even understand what you're saying. I'm just listening to the accent. <laughs> yeah, we've been together 29 years. 29 years. Yeah. And how long have you been in the United States? 23. We came in 1990. The and what was your what was your accent like before you got here? <laughs> a lot quicker. <laughs> I slowed down a lot because I've got sick of people going what? What? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I go home, they'll go oh, listen to the Yank, despite right. the fact that I live in New Orleans. Right. I'm going no, they don't want to hear Yankin. So when you go back to Ireland, they think you have an American they, accent. Well, now. they think I'm I've slowed down. Like I don't say gas, I say petrol, and I still say mm. tomato. I don't say tomato, <laughs> but there's I'm slower. Like I have slowed my accent down. But whenever I come back from Ireland. People go, oh, I didn't know you speak Irish as well. It's just I'm speaking English really fast. <laughs> <laughs> so Again. <laughs> so what part, you're from Belfast, I'm which from is, Belfast. that's where the, all the troubles were. Yeah, we grew up during the troubles, and uh, I have f- uh, four sisters. There's five girls, and uh, we, because we all grew up in the troubles, basically our parents encouraged us to leave. So there, at one stage, there was no daughters at home. Currently, there, I have a sister in California, a sister in Wales. I'm lucky enough to have one sister here. And just recently, my one of my sisters moved from England back to Ireland to be near her parents. Well, it's good for traveling. It yeah. saves getting <laughs> yeah. a hotel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the good news. You got yeah. sisters. I don't know. Maybe that that might have been their alter uh, alternate. Uh, you know, their this is probably motive. a stupid question, but why would someone have kids? <laughs> and that, you know, if yeah. you don't want them to live yeah. there, you know, they're born into a war, and then all you do is bring them up to leave. Yeah. What really? Tell me the I truth. My mom was Catholic, I guess. Yeah, I'm Catholic. Um, well, my mum was always fine. considered to in the government, you know, for parental <laughs> abandonment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, she gets. It's very sad for whenever we're all leaving. You know, she'll she say, "I'll curse the day I told you to leave." You know, I was just crying. But we try and get it's back often. How often visit. would you go back? We try and go back at least once a year. How much is a ticket? Um, well, whenever we first came here, it was like around five hundred dollars. But um, during peak season, that was nineteen eighty. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, and but during peak season, it'll be up to anywhere up to twelve hundred dollars. But you can get them for around seven hundred. Mm. But again, we don't have to pay hotel fees when we Once go you're home. there, I guess yeah. you're there. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, the drinks expensive. What's it like? What's it like back in Belfast now that there's no? Well, Body blowing up the parts. The, the peace agreement, uh, the Good Friday peace agreement was signed and it was fantastic and it was really good for a, a good like eight to ten years. But it's, you know, whenever you have hoodlums on the street like you have in New Orleans, people will try and bring things back. And I like how you look at Charles when you. <laughs> <laughs> he's what? the historian. Yeah, I thought he's the only one who's got any class here, really. Um, you will have um, people trying to bring some trouble back. You know, the, the good thing. Yeah, well, the, the thing is. The police force was run by the English um, whenever we were growing up, and they've opened them up and they've changed it from the police force to the PSNI, which is the Police Service of Northern Ireland, I think, mm-hmm. and they've opened it up to Catholics. So when the Catholics joined the police force, because if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem, that's why they would join. Then the INLA, the, 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 the splinter group to the IRA, 
they then said, well, your Catholics in the police force are traitors, so then they started to attack them. Wow. So it's just... It's like Monty Python. Yeah, it really is. It's stupid. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to follow that, actually. Yeah. But before, when people were blowing up the pubs, yeah. there were no Catholics in the police force. No, but no. They were, the police were British the, yeah. from England. Well, they were from they were England. They, they, they were um, unionists. They basically they were Irish, but they wanted union with England. So okay, they, even though they considered themselves English, going down a bad though, road. Yeah, now, I can see. <laughs> but <laughs> they considered themselves English, not Irish. And the people in Ireland who were fighting each other, I, I suppose we're supposed to know this. Well, you're a historian, Charles. Were, it's, it was Catholic versus Protestant. It, that was well, what the two things was. It British versus Irish. Well, it's very simplified to say Catholic versus Protestant, but those are religions, and there's no well, religion to fight in. So it was Unionist versus Nationalist. The Nationalist wanted Ireland to be a, a nation, and mm. the Unionists wanted union with England. The Unionists were in a minority, and they figured, well, they are in a majority if they stay united with England, so they would have okay. more control and power. So it's all about who controls stuff. Why would Nothing you, to do with God. Why, why would they have wanted to be united with England? I mean, this is a ridiculous conversation to have. <laughs> <sitting around>. <laughs> <laughs> you left, and what difference does it make because it's all over? They but why did they want that? Well, because they would be part of the majority. Whenever, in actuality, in the island, they were the minority. Right. But most of us are talking about secession all the time. Everyone wants to be yeah. not a part of a union. They want to be you know, mm -hmm. independent. Yeah. Maybe it's well, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people feel that the island of Ireland is a country all to itself, but the England governs right. governs six counties. That, well, did govern six counties of the north. Do so. you ever do you ever think about <laughs> someone blowing up Finn McCall's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for their tab. <laughs> <laughs> is that across <laughs> your mind? <laughs> it looked like it had been blown up after Katrina. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. And whenever we got, we bought it in two thousand and two, and it was uh, wasn't a very nice bar then and we completely got at it so then whenever the hurricane hit in 2005 and we had to re-gut it it was you, i just Horrible. didn't think i would have the energy yeah, to right. do it again so no did. i don't want anyone glad to ever blow it, it up <laughs> really glad you did it again yeah Love it was it was a, a joint effort by the community that's mm. for sure it was it really is a community yeah it is a community pub it really is yeah charles where do you live Uptown, near Napoleon Magazine. So you don't, you've never been to Finn McCool? I have, yeah. I love Finn McCool's. I thought you said you didn't go there. No, that was Alex. Actually. Oh, Alex, yeah. I'm sorry. I was <laughs> lying. <laughs> you must have played there at some point with somebody. Uh, I'm not sure if I I've played seen there. Him. Sometime you've seen him playing there? You paid him? No, I've seen him in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got uh, my good friends with Ian McNulty. Yeah, that's why I've seen you in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, Ian McNulty is one of the regulars down yeah. there. He's a, he wrote like his a, first a, book, Season of Night. Like, he's a luminary. You know, over there. Yeah, he's a great writer and he's a good broadcaster as well. Yeah, he's, he's our ambassador. He's our St. Patrick, our, <laughs> first, our Irish first footer. He, All he right. Does, he does first a lot of footer. stuff. Yeah. What does that mean? The first footer on New Year's Day, the very first, or New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, the very first person across your door has to be a dark haired man carrying a lump of coal. That'll bring you luck for the rest of the year. So he always. <laughs> okay, well now we're learning. Why don't they tell you these things? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we always hand out a, lo a lucky lump of coal. Well, Ian does, dressed in all black with a hat. Well, that's particularly nice. Irish because doesn't a lump of coal in, in the Christmas stocking mean that you've been a bad? Yeah, yeah. They, they use that same lump of coal. <laughs> <laughs> Just You're not using that, are you? Recycle the lump. <laughs> I think that some good charcoal briquettes would actually be a pretty decent gift, you know, if you're a barbecuing person. Oh, well, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Even cold. Very expensive yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It was. Absolutely. So, neuter hey. absorber as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so many uses. 
Alex, who are you playing with tonight? Uh, I'm playing, uh, uh, I got a solo thing uh, at Saturn Bar on Thursdays, most Thursdays. But uh-huh. tonight I'm going to be joined by a drummer, a wonderful drummer named Dave Capello. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, if you know Dave. He's kind of like, uh, he travels in the, more of the experimental jazz circles. You know, very interesting player. And I heard that so. just a guitar, you and a drummer. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Should be fun. What yeah. time's that? 10 o'clock. So we'll, you know, we'll go on about 10.30. And is Royal Fingerball getting back together? <laughs> <laughs> is that, Actually, is that no. A room? It's Fingerball. a comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, I mean, I basically play with that band still. It's the same guys. Right. But we just don't call it that. It's kind of a stupid name, you know. So <laughs> um, we're trying to come up with a different name that's not as stupid. But we, right now we just call it the Alex McMurray Band. That sounds cla- <laughs> that sounds cla- classy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. You know, I like that actually. Don't you? Yeah. Pretty pretty boring. But uh, <laughs> what's wrong with Royal Fingerball? Why is it why is it stupid? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it was. I got tired of explaining what it meant. You know, or trying uh, to dodge that question. People ask that stupid damn question all the time. Yeah. What does it mean? And what are your influences? Yeah. Well, you know, you could shoot everyone who says that. I Billy think. Gibbons had a great uh, line for that. You know, people would ask him what ZZ Top meant. And he would say, you'll never get me drunk enough to tell you. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Because people would try. Yeah, they'd buy yeah. him a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I finally That's met Billy Gibbons a few years ago. And uh, I went up to him and I said, hey, man, you're Billy Gibbons? He said, yeah. I said, hey, man, you know, I use your line all the time. He says, what line? I said, when somebody asks you what ZZ Top means, you say, you'll never get me drunk enough to tell you. And he says to me, it works, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it does. I That's bet. Great. How many uh, drinks have you been <coughs> bought over the years? Would you say in the, in the <laughs> thousands? In the thousands, I suppose. I don't know. How, how many must he have been bought? What's like, that? I wonder how many he's been bought over the years. Billy Gibbons? I'm millions. Sure, I'm sure. Mil- yeah. Many, many millions. How did you get to meet him? Where were you playing? Uh, the Finger Bowl opened up for Jimmy Vaughn at the House Blues a while back, yeah. and he was there. I guess just hanging out with Jimmy Vaughn. Hmm. That's pretty cool. He's a little guy. Is he really? really? Yeah, he's just a little, he's just a wee little guy. Uh, wow, he's skinny. You don't get that impression in the in the videos. I guess they blow him up yeah. <laughs> to like these this, this shirt from underneath. Yeah, like yeah. shot from underneath, <laughs> and they you know like they get the big beers and the you know the yeah. big massive they look guys. Huge, they look guys. huge. No, they're really they're tiny. How funny! Yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, you want to play something? Yeah, sure. Okay, what are you thinking of playing? Something else? Know. A new album or something new altogether? Uh, I could do something from uh, let's see, from my new record. Okay. Um, and uh, since it's it's kind of a Latin themed place, this one's kind of got a Latin sort of vibe, and uh, it's about some people from Illinois. He was a flunky from St. John's Spit. He told himself that he was through with it. So tired of running and bumming around He thought he'd take it to another town She was a chippy from Chicago The only place she'd ever seen before She does her drinking from a gerbil jar She keeps beneath the seat of the car She liked to hit it from the get-go She liked to hit it from the get-go Old Cassandra and Polly Ann Lived together on their father's land Run off the neighbors one by one She 
shoot out the stars and sleep in the sun You know in life there ain't no accidents And Flunky's creeping up along the fence Flunky, he crossed Cassandra so He's never gonna flunk no more He's got to hit it from the He's got to hit it from the get-go He's got to hit it from the get-go He's got to hit it There ain't no reason, no reason why you got to do before you die. You got to hit it from the, you got to hit it from the get go. Mm-hmm. Roll the credits and fade to black. Flunky never gets his dollar back. He's gonna settle down in Kankakee. Every evening watching busted TV And there's a message coming from the screen You got to listen to the in between Flunky finishes all of his chores To get to what's beneath the floor He's got to hit it from the get-go He's got to hit it from the get-go He's got to hit it from the get-go Get-go Baby, get go, get go, baby. Ooh, he's got to hit it from the get go. Yeah. Alex McMurray. Yes, indeed. One of these guys who just makes it look so easy. Doesn't it look easy? You just like pick up a guitar and play like nothing to it. I've been practicing all day. It's it's paying off. What would you do if you couldn't do that? What did you set out to do when you first moved to New Orleans? Uh, well, I came here to go to Tulane, and uh, I did that, and I majored in English and philosophy, double majored, uh, otherwise known as dishwashing and drying. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that when I got out of school. I would wash dishes in restaurants and uh, substitute taught in public schools, dug ditches, made pizza, that kind of thing. Hmm. And uh, you yeah. see why rock and roll was attractive. Yeah, it's <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the ditch digging job was great because it was actually underneath a house. It was digging ditches mm. in a in a crawl space underneath a house. And Under plus, the best work, part was yeah. was like it was. I had to commute to Bay St. Louis to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that's a nice job. It was six a.m. to six p.m. for six dollars an hour underneath the house. Oh. Lord that was the, that was the height of my glory. Yeah. Did, were you, uh, did you know you could sing at that point? I was trying to do it. I mean, I was trying to right. work as a musician, but, you know, it was not working out, you know, I mean, money-wise. Well, that's before you realized you had to have 10 bands. You're <laughs> 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 just working by yourself then. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, how, did it, how did you start, how did you make the transition from digging ditches to actually being successful? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I you know, I bribed the right people. <laughs> And, uh, you know, went down to City Hall and got the right permits. Apparently, I didn't have the, all the paperwork wasn't in order. So, <laughs> right. so the money wasn't coming through, you know. Uh, I don't know. I just kept at it, you know. Um, was, there a moment, was there a moment when it ha- where you thought, hey, people are listening? You know, I guess w- w- one moment was like when I, I, I had a gig on Bourbon Street playing with like these older fellows doing like R&B in the 90s. And I finally was able to, you know, 
open up a bank account. I was like taking all my money and like would put it in a drawer and I'd like send it to my dad in New Jersey, you know, and have him put it in the bank for me. And I was like, wait, I could probably just do this myself, <laughs> you know. That was, yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, I can you know, go down and open up my own bank account, so. That was the moment. That was probably around 95. That was a few years of work. Charles, what made you not want to be a professional guitar player if you're good enough to play in the Foxtrot Orchestra? Oh, well, it's a challenge out there. I mean, you know, it's, it takes a lot of hard work. And um, I actually, when I first moved here, I messed around and sat in with a bunch of people, Jonathan Freelich and, oh, yeah. and Davis and, you know, all those guys. Where'd you move from? From Houston. And uh, actually, I was from West Texas at the time, but I moved here to go to Tulane. And, um, and so I wanted to concentrate on my schooling at the time and um, kind of put music on the back burner. But then once everything got settled with that, um, I decided to take it back up. Were you so, guys at Tulane at the same time? Early 90s. I graduated uh, in 91. Yeah, okay. Okay. And well, did you, do, and you stayed there and did a PhD there? So. Yeah, yeah, I sure did. Yep. What Would were you, you thinking? pledge? <laughs> <laughs> What were you thinking uh, doing a PhD? Oh, gosh. Um, what was the plan? I was thinking there was no plan, really. You know, it was kind of like an iron in the fire that heated up. And then um, I was always interested in music history. That's why I came to Tulane originally. Um, and so I started working at the Hogan Jazz Archive. Uh-huh. And so that's just such a rich treasure trove of historic materials that it just, you know, blew my mind. And so I just wanted to, you know, make that come to life for people. So, um, you know, I was a music and history double major, talk about double majors. And, um, so I actually decided to, to kind of combine those career ones. And, but you um, already had a job at the Jazz Archive, which is an yeah. amazing resource. I mean, there's it just is, so yeah. much stuff up there. Right. Any, anything you're looking for, basically, they have it. Mm-hmm. If they can, and they can pretty much always find it. Yeah, no, Strangely, I think it's one, of the, you know. it's one of the coolest archives anywhere. Yeah, and then I heard that you were offered the job at the, new, at the Jazz and Heritage Foundation. I was, yeah. As the archivist, and you turned that down. Yeah, that was back when it didn't pay very much. <laughs> so uh, Rachel Lyons worked her magic and got decent pay out of that. But back then, it wasn't worth it for me to, to switch jobs, honestly. So, so you, were the, you were the historian at, the, at where? Louisiana State Museum. Yeah, Louisiana State yeah, Museum. Yeah, the system. Okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to go around the table and just see. You've lived here since we're 1990? 1990. You've been here since before that, right, Alex? 87. 87. Andrew, you've been here from... Most Forever. of your life, you were born here. Yeah. Where is the Louisiana State Museum? Anybody can answer that. Louisiana State Museum. Yeah, where is it? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. You don't know. You don't know, right? LSU, you don't know, Pauline. Do you know where it is? But you're talking about LSU. I'm talking about Louisiana State Museum, not oh, University. Oh, I thought you were No, he's not the historian at the university. <laughs> 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 I didn't get that wrong. Did I? Do you say that Louisiana would be nice, State Museum? But, you know, wait no. a second, wait a second. No. Louisiana State Museum. Yes. Everyone knows it, but it's just not called that by most people. It's not the What's it called? Yeah, Camilda. Yes, that's, okay. that's one of nine. Yeah. Ah, okay. So it's, so it's in Jackson Square. Well, it's nine properties across the state. Mm. It's like the Smithsonian of Louisiana, uh, with okay. multiple properties. So we could have been in any of these nine buildings, any of us, at any time. Okay, where are they? Well, there's five in the French Quarter. Cabildo is the, the best known. Everyone takes their eighth grade field trip there, and most people have not gone back since the eighth grade. So, you know, if you're local. Where are the uh, other buildings? Uh, well, the Presbyteries on the other side of the cathedral. Yeah. Um, the Old U.S. Mint is number three. Oh, I've been in that one. Yeah. Sure. Have people, you guys been in that one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, uh, boy, the auditorium at the Old U.S. Mint is amazing for concerts now. So yeah, I encourage everyone gorgeous. to go check that yeah, out. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then Madame John's Legacy, which is one of the oldest colonial residential buildings in the French Madame Quarter. Madame John's Legacy. Never it's on domain between Charters and Andrews and Robin. A buddy yes. of mine used to live right next door, and we always wondered why the carriage would stop next door. And then somebody told him, yeah, you live next to one of the coolest buildings in the quarter. Yeah, it is. It is one of the coolest buildings in the quarter. It's, it's, What's in it? 
It's an old colonial era residence that is really the only representation of the West Indies style architecture that existed in the French Quarter before the great fires of 1788 and 1794 that destroyed most of the French Quarter. We were just uh, talking about those fires the other day, right? 1788. And, uh, sure. <laughs> we were, yeah. I didn't know anything about that either. I, I just that, wanted Alex to play in a minor key and you just keep talking yeah. about fires <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's switch back out, Alex. Is that when Storyville burnt down? Uh, no, Storyville was, was torn down in the late torn 30s. Down. Yeah. Okay, so there was a giant, two giant fires in the French Quarter. Yes. By the convent, wasn't it? Well, the convent. The story is the the Ursuline convent, which is the oldest building in the Lower Mississippi Valley, was saved because, of course, the Ursuline nuns prayed so hard and so successfully that the fire. Does that um, work? Yeah, it does. Historically, yeah. as a historian. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. If you want something on your side, go to the Ursuline nuns and and okay. you know, have them pray for you. So. Hmm. And are they still there on Ursuline? Yeah, is that still a absolutely. Convent? Yes, That's still a convent. Well, no, it's not officially the convent, but it's in a, an administrative building, kind of a historic administrative building. So. Okay, so what? Okay, so well, there's two subjects here. One is that we can get the nuns to pray for us, and th- something in the real world will happen, <laughs> like fire will go out, or could we get wealthy? <laughs> absolutely, just you know, there's, there's get to know an Ursuline nun. Do you go to church every yeah. Sunday, Pauline? I go to Our Lady of Guadalupe mm-hmm. on North Rampart. Oh yeah, Father okay. Tony, he's brilliant. It's a if you ever have visitors in town, it's a fantastic jazz band at 9:30 mass. Hmm. It's 9:30 a.m. 9:30 a.m. There's mass. Jazz music. <laughs> is that that Tony's there's two 9:30s. That's the 9:30 at the 9:30 in the a.m. Okay, and the 9:30 right. in the p.m. I didn't know. There's a different well, church at the 9:30 p.m. What kind of a jazz musician is up at 9:30 in the morning and sounding good? Still up, I guess. Oh, yeah, they're oh, still up exactly. Still up. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're we're raging from the We're on Rampart by the police station. Okay. Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's oh. St. Jude's Church. All right, all right. Yeah. Okay. So you, what time do you close down the bar at Finn McCall's on um, Saturday night? Well, we don't actually have to close. <laughs> But um, generally, Friday night and Saturday night, we stay open until around 5. A.M.? Yeah, but generally... Are you there then? Um, no, not always. At the start, we were there a lot, but no, we're more morning people. But because uh, most of the soccer is showing in the morning, so sometimes we show it live. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we're up at 6 a.m., so the, sometimes the bar opens at 6. So the nighttime bartender with customers will be leaving as the daytime bartender and the su- soccer supporters come in. I think that's a lot of people's impression of that's what New Orleans is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, absolutely. That's, that's why we live here. The bars don't door close. The they don't close. <laughs> we drink in shifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, take your drunks with you. Why do <laughs> bars have to close in other places? Like in, uh, in California, they close at 2 a.m. What is the logic behind that? I think it must be something to do with taxation. <laughs> no, it's no just they're just uptight. Yeah. That's what it is? They, yeah. hmm. they feel that you should be home. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's time to go to home. Have you been to Boston? I mean, they, they don't One allow call. VIP setups. Uh, there's no happy hour. I mean, they have all these list of rules mm. about... Yeah. Really? Yeah. They just can't handle it like we can. <laughs> they can't. What's yeah. this thing? Yeah. There's closing times in Ireland as well. Yeah. And there's the secret knock, you know, like in all the rural... Uh, really? Pubs you can get in, in after. Yeah, as hours. long as you know the secret knock, you're just not allowed to leave until oh, daylight. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cops know the secret knock too. That's <laughs> a good way of doing it. Oh, hey, Andrew, you want to play us something today? Uh, sure. I'd have to go grab a guitar. Okay. See if I want to talk about yourself. But I have a quick question. When are you guys going to be recognized for having the best burger in town? Because oh, you do. It is a brilliant burger. It Unbelievable. Really is, with the fried and egg and the bacon yeah, on top. Come on. It's delicious. It's got, it's got fried yeah. egg and bacon. 
Yeah. And I must admit, I like y'all's boudin dishes too, because yeah. not many people know how to fix boudin in this town. Yeah, Lee from uh, Buku Barbecue does an amazing uh, stuffed boudin pistolet. Mm-hmm, exactly. Amazing. And then he also does a boudin top burger. Mm-hmm. That's great. incredible. And he does boudin egg rolls. So he gets a. Oh, he has, yeah. He has two different types of egg rolls. He does a barbecue pulled pork with a cilantro blue cheese uh, stuffed uh, spring roll, but he also does a boudin stuffed spring roll too with like a really nice. Ginger peach dipping sauce. Yeah. Really, really nice. No, y'all have great food. I love <laughs> Finn McCool's. The food is, is worth it. None yeah. of it's Irish, though. Well, it does fish and chips. And the egg ah. and the bacon on the burger, that's Irish. It oh. is. The fried it's egg sort of and like bacon. A, sort of like a bacon breakfast burger. It's funny that the hamburgers made its way all around the world. Yeah. Well, that, that comes from the United States of America. I happen yeah. to know that. Yeah. yeah. I heard some guy, um, guy who owns uh, that place on... On Ferret Street, the hamburger place. Company Burger? Company Burger, yeah. I haven't been there yet. I heard him tell a whole story about how the cheeseburger is the pinnacle of achievement mm-hmm. of the American nation, <laughs> of, of history. That's right. And yeah. he's serious. As well. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, Adam, Adam Biederman. Yeah, he promotes that. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. He's, cool. He's, by the time he's finished, you think, like, wow, it's better than, like, NASA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still going on anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. Good point. You can still get a cheeseburger. Okay, (laughs) Andrew, what are you playing? Um, something that will be finished tomorrow. Oh, cool. Okay, new song. Yeah. Goes like this. Doesn't go like this. That old man fixed old cars As long as I remember Fender to fender Full engine overhaul When I was old enough to do it He rode me out of his old Buick Say these old gals only so much can go wrong So take you as far They don't make them like they used to Ain't no soul and nothing brand new Till she broken down and fixed it It ain't yours Broken gear Broken heart Wanna keep it together Gotta learn how to take it apart You can weather any weather Yeah, you ride around Oh, my best girl around forever in an old skylock. But they don't make them like they used to anymore. Yeah, the man down at the woodshop, he's a modern day Geppetto. Instead of boys, he fixes cellos and my beat up old guitar. Walking, and we always get to talking about the way things were now, the way they are. He says he's doing one thing right to play the soul guitar. Cause they don't make them like they used to, ain't no soul or nothing brand new. Till she breaks down and you fix it, it ain't yours. Broken heart, wanna keep 
afraid to get apart Gotta learn to weather the weather Yeah, you ride around together My best girl and I forever An old guitar They don't make them like they used to anymore If you want to keep it together, you have to learn to take it apart. Right. That's a good lyric. Thanks. Did you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, you well, happy when you thought of that, right? sell a lot of trucks with that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Not the yeah. modern ones, though. Yeah. <laughs> the, you get an uh, endorsement from about Peterbilt or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, you could see that, like, that old nostalgic, those Fords or something, you know, they used to make all those years ago, or Chevys. They, they're always playing on that nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Image of the truck. I think Bob Seger's like a rock's got it cornered. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, but you know, was like something new. What about that guy? Is it Toby Keith? Right. He did all those country music truck commercials, right? Is that, was is that, that him? the avenue yeah. I have to go to make a buck? I have to yeah. Toby Keith. Approach, I think, I approach yeah. music about it. the Skylark. <laughs> you know, bring the Skylark yeah. back. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, how would you go about selling that? I don't know. I wish I knew. If <laughs> <laughs> only we could figure that out. Yeah, we all be This is the, you know, the big question. The dilemma. How do we how do we get in touch with Chevy? How do you how do they find you, these people? I don't know. I'm sudden, I've been like, you know, screaming their name out in the night for years. <laughs> <laughs> and they've just they get their windows sealed up. They're just ignoring me, you know. Do you have a manager? You're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that help? I mean, does that the key to the whole thing is getting oh, I people? I mean, if you have a manager, you need to be making money. To, yeah. for the manager to be interested in dealing with you. Is that so how it works? They don't find someone who's talented and well, I, mean, I don't know, maybe money. like in the movies or something. That's what I'm wondering. That, yeah. The whole game of, you know, how does it work and how do you make a buck, you, it, it undermines the how do you write a better song mm -hmm. part. And, you know, it's a good time to mention that. I think Alex is probably, you know, one of my favorite songwriters in town for sure. And, Amazing. like, I can count my favorite songwriters in town on one hand, even if I was a butcher or a, <laughs> worked in a sawmill you know, saw, yeah so i mean whether or not you're hugely successful it hardly matters you're making records like records yeah. of yourself and that stuff lasts so who cares you know and that's not a measure of how great you are as to how wealthy you are or well how good you are how wealthy mm. you are, or anything is measured by how wealthy you are but it would be nice but it would be nice yeah <laughs> to be comfortable yeah, to be know, super talented comfort and comfortable i've heard is nice <laughs> it it yeah. is such a shame that the uh, talent here isn't recognized all over the world. I mean, I, we came here in 1990, and everyone goes, oh, you stayed because of Mardi Gras. And I went, no, I stayed because of Jazz Fest. The music in this city mm. is amazing. And I stayed despite Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stayed despite Mardi right. Gras. Well, you, yeah. you tried to move to New York at one point. Alex, I did, right? yeah. I went up there to be with my then-girlfriend, now wife, and uh, to, to, to give it a shot, you know to see if, you could, if I could make it there. But I read something interesting that you said about moving to New York, which was that people in New York don't go out to hear a band unless that someone in it they know. Well, it's not a, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're competing with the Knicks, you know, and Broadway and, right. and stuff like that. So it's not a great town for, I mean, I mean you could go hear, any, you know, any, the greatest stuff in the world on any given night, any, the best cinema, the best, you know, dance, art, whatever. 
What's the and line? then there's like my stupid little band. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. What's the line in your uh, tune about? You know, you can make it if you can't make it in. Oh, sorry. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But there was a New Orleans. Yeah, we, we're still we're trying to start a, a new slogan for New Orleans. Uh, it's on the song on the new Tinman record called. We're gonna you know have billboards. You know, New Orleans. If you can't make it here, don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you could get the the city council. Uh, we're to we're trying to that. get you know. It's a tourism. No one's a momentum <laughs> behind this. It's been. You know what? That could be a t-shirt. It's a, it would be a good t-shirt. You know, I. Yeah, that could yeah. be like in a merchandising. That's the key to the whole That's thing. That's the merchandising. I guess I need to. Why don't you be my manager? Okay. Well, I don't have much to do. I just do this an hour a week. The rest of the week, I'm pretty free. Okay. Well, no problem. Hey, listen, I've got to tell you guys about a benefit that's going on. A benefit concert on Sunday, June the 9th at Heritage Park in Slidell behind the Highway 11 train station. I think as many of us know where that is, is nowhere the Louisiana State Museum is, probably. <laughs> but anyway, you can find it if you make the effort. There's live music all day from uh, The Bland, Exit Plan, Chicken on the Bone, and Cowboy Mouth. And it's, uh, it's a benefit for a guy called John Passaro, who is an NOPD law officer and a lifelong Slidell, Louisiana resident who was on duty on Saturday, February 23rd when he answered a call to a disturbance at a New Orleans branch Dollar General store. And when he walked in there, he was ambushed by the suspect and shot multiple times, leaving him paralyzed from the chest down. So his friends and family have got together and organized this benefit, and uh, we're helping him out by telling you about it. If you'd like to go and help out, it'll cost you 20 bucks to get in. That money goes directly to John Passaro and uh, his family to pay for his medical expenses and other expenses they incur. The gates, gates open at 11 a.m. The music starts sometime after that. Tickets are available at all three Slidell branches of the Whitney Hancock Bank. There's tons of stuff to do for kids. There's a rock climbing wall for kids, and there's food and drink as well out there. If you'd like to help out or be a sponsor of this event, you could call Pat Huseman at this phone number, 985-290-3239. 290-3239. So that's a nice thing that people do here in New Orleans, too. I guess yep. you guys play a lot of benefits. Mm. It happens. Yeah. There seems to be a lot of benefits going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we had a big benefit at the bar for St. Baldrick's Day, and there was over 100 people shaved their heads. I was wondering why you touched your head. <laughs> I, I really was thinking, what the heck are you doing? St. Baldrick. Yeah. Is there actually a St. Baldrick? It's an invented holiday by two New York Irish people who right. one of their uh, friend's kids was dying of cancer or was going through cancer treatment and had lost th their hair because of chemo. And so they all joined together, 10 of them in the pub, decided to shave their head for charity. People do that when they've had a few <laughs> pints of Guinness. Yeah, sign up for stuff. So um, <laughs> it, it started like in 1995 or something like that. Well, in New York? In New York, and it's become like a holiday. Like It's normally during the month of March, and therefore around St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So it's called St. Baldrick's Day. So Finns did one just in on the 23rd of March. And so people sponsor each other Yeah, you go to get your head shaved. Everybody who wants to participate signs up. Then they get donors. So Thomas Morstead, the uh, Saints, Saints. Uh, punter, he uh, signed up and did it. He donated his, he had really long hair, like down to past his shoulders, and he donated it to Wigs for Kids. And he also got his head shaved, and we raised $130,000 wow. at Finns. So, yeah. That's so impressive. Yeah, that just shows you the type of family that Finns is. Like Wealthy. Support. <laughs> <laughs> willing to shave their heads and go out and raise money. 130000 bucks. Well, that's yeah. pretty pretty serious. So you came here. It's uh, uh, You also went to university and are overqualified for being a bartender. <laughs> yeah, I went to art college and then I became an art teacher and an art therapist. 
And whenever I first came to New Orleans, I was teaching art, but I was, I was barely enough to even pay my, my rent and everything. Well, there's so teaching, and then there's <laughs> art, and then there's teaching art. That's right down the bottom of the yeah. so I was I was doing like um, festivals as well, because I'm a sculptor, so I was selling my stuff at um, festivals. But it still wasn't enough money. So when um, I became a bartender at Mix Irish Pub, and um, mix, mix. Yeah. Where's that? It's on Bienville Street. Is it still there? Yeah, yeah. it's still there. Yeah. <coughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know that place. I'm gonna take you out and drink. Maybe that's why. See, we don't know where the where the Louisiana State Museum is, but we know where Mix Irish yeah. on Bienville. Right. Okay. So I was bartending there. One, uh, I was bartending, and one day a week that I was bartending, I was making more than I was for the whole year, practically. Well, the whole month in teaching. I'm so glad you amended that yeah. to a month. Cause yeah. No, I mean that like would I be better money than stripping. <laughs> it was seven, seven days a week, or six, sorry, five days a week teaching was... The same as one night a week yeah, bartending, bartending at Mix. Yeah. So I was bartending, and then I became a private teacher, so I was teaching some of the uh, people that came into Mix, I was teaching their kids, and then somebody said, you should open your own place, so we did. What was your husband doing all this time? He was bartending as well. He bartended. We b- both so you bartended. So you moved from New from Belfast to New Orleans to be a bartender for him to be a bartender. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know. Yeah. Uh, we also um, bought property and fixed it up and sold it. So whenever we got, were able to buy fins, and it was in really dire conditions, at least we knew. Was it called Fin McCall's? Yeah. No, it was yeah. actually. It's been a bar for. It's been a bar for over a hundred years. Right. And um, it was. Uh, it was all. It's pra- practically been an Irish bar for the majority of it because it was Lloyd McKay owned it in the forties. And we have photographs of the bar with him, the Lloyd McKay and his friends sitting outside the bar, and you can see the building across the street, and it's the exact same shape. It's in the same condition. I mean, the, mm. the, the woodwork and everything is in the same condition. And then it became. A, between the 40s and it became the zip and then maple zip and then joe's 19th hole and then fins and that leads us all the way up to now so we've owned it for 10 years did you change the name to fins yeah we changed it to yeah, fin who McCall. is finn mccall finn mccall is some mythical yeah figure. he's a mythical giant um giant yeah oh. giant there's loads of legends written about him you know huh. he um was a fisher uh, he was a, uh, a a warrior poet for a druid and he, the, the druid knew that. There See, there were the good days when you could be a warrior poet. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to that? Yeah, damn. Charles, what happened to the warrior poets? <laughs> they're still around. Is that part of Gulf Coast culture? They're the, they're exactly. The yeah, they're teaching. Right? I know. They're the Andrew and poets. Alex, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This might be a good point to get onto Gulf Coast culture. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely. We've got onto Irish culture. Yeah. Now yeah. we need to find. It. Okay, Charles, take it away. What is Gulf Coast culture? Gulf Coast culture is um, the culture that exists in the lowlands of the American South and then stretches around to Mexico and Cuba. So it's it's all part of the Gulf Basin culture. But what is the so. culture? I mean, oh, it's a are lo- they native people? Well, um, I think the people have a lot in common. I mean, it's a love of Mardi Gras, Carnival for one. They All the, all the cultures on this area celebrate it. They have a similar food. Uh, they're all into beans and rice and peppers. Mm. Um and they like to have fun. They're very different than their upland neighbors who tend to be kind of more uptight and stodgy. And, and close the bar down. <laughs> exactly. They close right. the bar too. People so on the Gulf a, Coast so uh, keep Gulf, it open. Is it, are you serious? This is the Gulf, Gulf Coast. We mean oh, yeah. Texas, Alabama, Florida, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Cuba and, and the Cuba coast of right. Mexico, yeah, and okay. Yucatan. So, yeah. so we're similar to all, <coughs> the, all these people. We have a similar. Uh-huh. Yeah. I call it the carnival belt. <laughs> and, um, and Cuba actually outlawed carnival under the. Castro regime, but they still celebrate it, you know, so um, it's all kind of a Catholic-based <coughs> culture, um, and we're united by, again, food and 
And what about music? Music too. I mean, um, the habanera beat, which is the don't do 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 from Havana, but it's the basis for all Latin and Caribbean music. Um, it infuses New Orleans music. Uh, it infuses Mexican music. It infuses Cuban music. So I mean, we're all united by the love of that particular rhythm. And that's called the habanera beat. The habanera, yeah. Named after Pedro Havana. Habanera. <laughs> well, no, actually, it's the female. Someone from Havana is a habanera. So. Okay, that's yeah. it. You didn't know that? We've yeah. learned a lot here today already. Yeah. And we still have another three or 13 minutes. To, is it how many minutes? I can't figure that out. <laughs> to go. So there is such a thing as a golf course. You didn't make that up, golf no, course. No, not at all. No. Where did, you, uh, where did we read about that besides your Oh, gosh. Well, PhD actually, thesis? I, I put this all together. I had to present at a conference at LSU. And so I just came up with all the, the ways we were united as a as a golf basin culture. So I tried to think of all the things we had in common, and there were a lot, so, you know. So did, you didn't invent this, this, no. this genre of history, or whatever it's called. What is that Well, called? I probably did, but, you know. <laughs> you did? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, no, I mean, no one really I know is, has ever really looked at this idea, but uh, part of the idea was... Well, you're extremely in the, modest. In the, yeah, in the 1800s, New Orleans had a very strong trade connection with Veracruz, Mexico, and Havana, and there was a triangle that connected those three cities, so that they were always in contact with each other. Um, so Where's Veracruz? Veracruz on the east coast of Mexico, on the Gulf Coast. Um, and so Veracruz has... Have you, have you been there? No, I never have, actually. I want to go. But, uh, I'd like to go there, too. Do you guys want to go? No? Yes. I'd love to. Yeah. You want to go? Let's, let's go. But La Bamba. Go. Okay, let's go. La Bamba, the song, the Mexican yes. song, is from that region of Mexico. And um, it's considered the region that has kind of the richest African culture in Mexico. So I think that's another kind of connection to New Orleans and Havana. So. We've got an actual Mexican national right here. Hugo is from Mexico City. Exactly. Right? He's going to play La Bamba, so too. So come play La Bamba <laughs> for us. Hugo, tell us a bit about Veracruz. <laughs> hey, look, there is La Bamba. Hugo, come, come, come and uh, lean into one of these microphones. You can share oh, my yeah. microphone and be my date. Anything? Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's this rich area. It's called La Laguasteca. It means four states. There's Veracruz, San Luis, and Tamaulipas. It has four geographical it has it has the sur, it has like a rainforest, it has a, a timberland, it has like a mountain kind of climb. I mean, from 120 degrees index in uh, summertime to 40, 30. You know, I mean, so it's it's very rich in all these cultures. They they just uh, they just convex there. And they create different kind of music, you know. It's very similar with all the New Orleans Gulf Coast, you know. That's what he was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, some of the areas there, they're they're just as tropical as, as New Orleans, you know, like like the like humidity. La Bamba doesn't really mean anything. Uh, Mexico has about uh, 300 Indian languages. So in Veracruz, they speak these uh, languages. Still, you know, I'm very Indian looking, but I don't understand any of them. I mean, I'm more like a mestizo for 120 years. So uh, they have all these languages. They still speak with those languages. And La, La Bamba is more like, uh, you know, some kind of uh, syncretism word from an Indian language, you know. 
So well, it does mean something, but we just don't know what no, it means. I think well, from the translation, fawn, uh, fawn, fawn. Basically, you know, <laughs> I love New Orleans. I love New Orleans, but you know who create fiesta? The Mexicans. Okay. <laughs> it all goes back to Mexico. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Charles, did you know any of that? Uh, I, uh -huh. I know a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a very rich cultural place. So, but you saying now, I mean, I had to ask you, this like, you know, meet the press or something here. I have to ask you like 10 <laughs> questions to get you to admit that you created, you invented the concept of Gulf Coast culture. Well, someone asked me to write on the Gulf Coast circuit of the old days. And then um, this conference at LSU was looking at um, the cultural exchanges between the United States and Latin America. And so it just seemed a natural idea for me to try to, to come up with this idea because... New Orleans is always characterized as the northernmost Caribbean city, right? Which culturally mm -hmm. it kind of is, but it's not on the Caribbean. It's on the Gulf. And so, um, you know, the fact that we were connected with Cuba and Mexico for so long, I think it's infused a lot of the culture here. So. Couldn't you sort of get on a speaking circuit around the Gulf Coast for the rest of your life and go and give this Probably sort of exciting to, yeah. lecture? Will you be my manager? <laughs> I'm, I'm, ro I'm rocking here. I'm going to be Alex's manager and your manager. It would seem like you've done something pretty significant, though, academically, to come up with some new theory. Well, I suppose so. I mean, I haven't really promoted it. I think it's a cool idea, but um, it's not something I promote heavily. So, what are you, know. you doing more heavily? Are you taking these rock and roll tours? Rock and roll tours, yeah. I'm trying to get that started. Um, and that's my that's just starting up? Yeah, I started a couple months ago. Um, so it's the Music Heritage Tours. So tell us about it. What, do you, what happens if I'm coming here from out of town, if I'm listening to this show in another part of the country? Well, I have a standard tour. It's a walking tour to the French Quarter where we cover the roots of jazz. So, you know, everything from Louis Moreau Gottschalk, the great pianist composer who wrote the Bambula, which has the habanera beat in it from the 1840s, uh, to the, the opera venues that are in the French Quarter, to uh, a lot of the old jazz venues along Bourbon Street, um, as well as Armstrong Park, which has Congo Square, Hmm. Uh, the Jane M. Music Shop on Rampart Street, and you know we go by Cosmo's um, Grocery Store and stop by and say hi to the family, and you know it's a, kind of a family fair at the end of the tour. It's funny. That's pretty cool. So and if you don't know, if you're listening from out of town and you don't know, you can actually have a drink in your hand all the way. You can, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Which is a lot of fun. Well, more than one, actually. Yeah, you know, you, I'll let stop people stop and get daiquiris. So you know, we encourage that. So. And how did you? Do you have music? I mean, do you listen to music? Do you have, like, everyone has a Walkman or something? I'm Walkman. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the yellow one. Yeah. Have I, like, an iPhone or something or some sort <laughs> well, of... Well, no, I have a, um, an iPod with Bluetooth connected to okay. a Philips shock box, which is like a jawbone, if you're familiar with a jawbone. So it's, like, kind of a mobile speaker. So you can you take the music with you, so there's a oh, soundtrack. Yeah. Right, exactly. So as we're That's walking through, cool. I play music that basically yeah. corresponds to all the sites. So, you nice. know, it brings it to life. And then there Very was the, cool. the one time the battery died and I had to sing everything. And that was fun too. So, you know. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. That's yeah, a cool thing. Rock and well. What's that? We can make you do a song. You want to do a song as well? I'm good. Don't no, thank you. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. When are, when are you playing next with the new Leviathan Fox Oh, Trotters? gosh. Um, I don't really know, actually. We're kind of um, free for the summer, it looks like. But um, <laughs> what we're working on is to do a um, performance of the silent movie Bo Jest where we are going to provide the music to it. And so mm. there's actually a, um, an orchestrated you know, piece mm. to the whole thing. And so um, we're working on that. So we want to have a big performance where we're going to present Bo Jest. For, it's a mid-20s silent film, and we're just going to play behind it, the original soundtrack. Didn't, wasn't there another version of that? Didn't like Marty Feldman or someone make a weird version Probably. of that movie? <laughs> Do you remember that guy? No. I know no. Marty Feldman, but I don't know that Bo Jest. The thing. Bug Eyes? Yeah. 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 He was funny. Well, that's a pretty cool idea. 
Yeah. Do that somewhere outside, maybe? Yeah, exactly. That's what we want to do. Okay, Alex, you want to play another song for us? Uh, sure. What do you think? Um, well, we were talking about the, uh, the new slogan of the city. <laughs> if you can't right. make it here, don't leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, land. you want to... We set it to music, you know. This is on the new Tin Man record. And um, here it goes. It's a... Uh, Somebody told me you're leaving... You'll be gone by St. Joseph's Day You're long in the tooth And you've burned up your youth On a thousand and one holidays Now life is a grand ultimatum Shape up or ship out, they say Well, I don't mean to scare you But you'd better beware When you're finally on your Cause if you can't make it here If you can't make it here If you can't make it here You better not leave I'm gonna have a little drink of water now Okay <laughs> Cause Chicago broke both my shoulders and Detroit's a sweet piece of ass And Cleveland's a case nearly up to my waist And she's growing up way too fast And Vegas is freezing and empty And Frisco's dour and prim And Portland's a pain never gets any rain And your chances are gonna be slim Cause if you can't make it here If you can't make it here If you can't make it here You better not leave If you can't take it there Well, you won't have a prayer if you can't make it here, you better not leave. Cause Memphis will eat you for breakfast, but Nashville will have you for lunch. And where Philly's concerned, well, that's no place to learn that you really just can't take a punch. And Boston's all puppies and rainbows And Baltimore's nice to the nice And New York, New York just won't stay on your fork As easy as your red beans and rice So if you can't make it here If you can't make it here If you can't Come on, everybody sing it with you. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Come on. If you can make it here, if you can make it here, if you can make it here, you better not leave. Oh, don't leave. If you can't make it here, you better not leave. 
can't think of a better note to leave on than that. That was happy hour for today. Let's all go to Finn McCool. Oh, my God. Okay. Alex McMurray, thank you so much. That was awesome. It was great to be here. We can find you all around town. All around. Links to to all your gigs are on our website. It's neworleans.com. Pauline Patterson from Finn McCool, thank you very much. Thank you. you. Best neighborhood bar in New Orleans, voted by New Orleanians. And the principal of rock and roll tours, <laughs> apart from Casa Borrego, of course. <laughs> Best soccer bar in New York. And Charles Chamberlain from Rock and Roll Tours. We can find out all about you on our website as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, Andrew Duhon. As always, that's Happy Hour. Thank you. For great. today, here from Casa Borrego, our producers of the show are Graham DePonte and Trish Kaufman. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director. And Dr. Cliff Brigden is our web designer and link to the real world. Mitch Foreman wrote and is playing the piano theme you can hear right now. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by PreSonus. Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and much more. You can visit PreSonus.com for more information about that. If you'd like to be on this show, and you can stay upright and sit around a table for about an hour with a drink in your hand, drop us a line. Our address is on our website. You can check out our other happy hours there as well as well as other shows. Out to Lunch with Peter Aschuti, which is live from Commander's Palace. Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajic. True to the Game with the fabulous Chris True and Tammy Nelson. Win-Win, our show about the New Orleans Vietnamese community. And Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canata. You can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Sign up for our mailing list and much more at our website, itsneworleans.com. If you happen to be listening to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, Thanks for subscribing and take a moment to rate and review us. That helps other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at Casa Borrega. Borrega, which you can follow on Facebook and like on Twitter or like on Facebook and follow on Twitter, probably more accurately. It's a new bar, it's a restaurant, and it's a live music venue yet to be open, but it's on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard, just one block up from Cafe Reconcile on Central City. Happy Hours of Production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, Mitch Foreman, who's playing the piano, everybody back at the INO office and sitting around here at the table at Casa Borrega, I'm Grant Morris. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Happy Hour.